couple of weeks ago, uh, I was chatting with Kristen Kraft of Tetra. And uh, Kristen, I'm going to have you uh, just kind of give us like the elevator pitch on who, on who Tetra is in a sec. But we were, we were catching up and, and uh, I have known Kristen since you were at Wistia way back then, right? Like in, in the tech space. That was what, two, three years ago? Right? Yeah. And you were, and you were um, there when they were, they were still pretty small. But uh, Kristen and I have known each other for some time. So we were catching up and talking about ways that maybe Tetra and Databox can, uh, can do some co-marketing together. And uh, Tetra has a lot of agency customers. Databox also has a lot of agency customers as well. So we thought it was a, a, a good opportunity to talk about hiring and recruiting and onboarding and that kind of thing. And um, we put out a report that we just published yesterday. And there was some, some interesting data points in there that uh, we're going to go over. We also have a special guest coming up in a few minutes that's going to keep you and I honest, Kristen. Uh, because it's been a long time since I've been in the agency space, and uh, we're, we're going to have somebody from the agency world come in and give us their two cents too. But first, Kristen, just for the people maybe who don't, even though we've had Nelson and Andy on ground up before, um, for for those of the listeners that maybe don't know who Tetra is, what's the quick uh, what's the quick elevator pitch on who on who Tetra is? Sure. Tetra is a wiki for high performance teams, so we make it easier for companies to document their knowledge, their information, their procedures, the tools they use, such that teams can move faster, make decisions better and with more context, and of course, hire and onboard people more efficiently. Right. And so you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, and like we had some preconceived, I think, assumptions going into doing a report like this. Um, and we asked, just to give you an idea, I'll put the link in the show notes. But we, we basically wanted to know what the biggest challenges were that agencies faced specifically when recruiting new employees, how long did it take, um, how good – we sort of gave people the opportunity to self-grade and, and, and talk about how good they think they are at onboarding uh, new employees. So how long it, uh, how long it takes, um, how good they think they are on it, and basically just like how long it takes to, to both find a new employee and then onboard them. So going into this, Kristen, I know you and I chatted about this beforehand. Well, like, what did you think? Because I, I think some of the results are surprising. But like, what did you go going in? What did you think was going to sort of uh, come of this? Yeah. So one of the questions that we asked was how long it takes you to onboard a new employee. Um, and I had assumed that people would say a couple days, a week. Um, and, and naturally, the onboarding process is long. And it's not like you do it, and then you're done. It, it you know, it's sort of a process that keeps going for a while into a new hires tenure at a, in a role. Um, but I had assumed that people would um, cite shorter lengths of time. And the largest, the majority, I think it was around 60% of people said that it was over three weeks, um, which, you know, feels to me like a long time. Um, you know, but I think for, for many companies, it's even longer. So that, that, that was a little bit striking to me. And then I guess the other thing that, um, I had expected was that, um, I had assumed that more companies would say that they really didn't have a very solidified process. Um, you know, I, myself having been in a lot of tech startups have seen firsthand, like companies that have no process whatsoever, like you show up on the first day, and maybe your manager isn't even there that day, and things are pretty crazy. So, you know, I was really impressed that um, so many of these great agencies are thinking really intentionally about the process to bring on new people. So I was actually surprised. I think, uh, 
I thought people maybe would be less not not honest. That's the wrong word. I think it's hard to to sort of maybe grade yourself in 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 areas like this, specifically because we're talking to agency owners or people that are heads of people ops or HR things like that. So I feel like unless these issues are surfaced, maybe from the mid level managers or or the people working for them, maybe they don't know about it. So they think they're doing a great job, right? And maybe it, it, these are like kind of awkward conversations to have when people are first starting because they may not feel that they're like fully indoctrinated yet, but they don't want to say that because it, it, it's 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 tricky ground. So I, I was thinking that maybe we wouldn't get like transparent responses, but mm-hmm. um, to your point, Kristen, about people not um, maybe not having uh, onboarding in place, eleven percent of the respondents said that which I thought was really surprising, which, I mean, in comparison, right, like a lot of people, I mean, that's that's more, that's basically 90% do, but that's still a, a, a relatively high number, right? For, oh, so you thought it would actually be lower than that. Right, yeah, like I thought people oh, I would... higher than that. <laughs> I, th- I thought people wouldn't either, they would think that they whatever they had in place was onboarding. Um, you know, people come in and they hand them like a stack of, uh, like an employee handbook, right? And, and that's onboarding. Or, like, here's our baby. Yeah. Now you're onboarded. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you you know the like you know the culture, everything on day one, um, or that they would just sort of maybe fudge it a little bit. So I was I was uh, surprised that that many people said that they didn't have anything in place. But also, fourteen percent of people said that they're not, or or only fourteen percent. Sorry, that's a huge difference. Only fourteen percent of the respondents said that they're great at it. Which that blew my mind because, again, I thought people would fudge it a little bit or that they just wouldn't have a handle on it. So they would assume that they're doing a great job. So I was surprised that um, we got such transparent responses, which I think made for a great report. Um, but then you you made a good point about the time it takes. And uh, Tetra wrote a post yesterday too, sort of like a teaser on their blog. In which you made a good point in talking about for an agency, like people are the greatest, it's they're the greatest asset and it's the biggest cost too. So a really long drawn out onboarding process is pretty costly. So I don't think we're going to answer this definitively, but like in, in, in your experience, is, is there a too long or is there a sh- too short? Like what there, there's, there must be like a sweet spot somewhere, right? That. Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, I think it varies so much for any given company and in any given industry. Um, so I would be reluctant to say, you know, this is the right amount of time or like, this is too long or this is too short. Um, I do think it's worth bearing in mind certain market trends that we're seeing right now. So, um, you know, millennials tend to, at this point, stay in a job on average three years, or I think that number has actually been dropping. So now millennials tend to stay with a role less than three years. Um, so, you know, if, if you are taking a month or two, um, to onboard a new person, like that's a not insignificant of their potential job tenure with your company. Um, and then the other thing that I was reading recently was around, um, the time horizon within which somebody is likely to leave the company. So a new employee is actually very vulnerable. A lot of people leave roles within the first six months of being on the job. Um, and a lot of them actually it's within the first three months, you know, for whatever reason, they just realize I, this is not a good fit. I don't like this culture. I don't like this work. Um, so again, if, if that's a really vulnerable period and if a lot of people do leave within three months and you are spending so much time, um, getting them 
up to speed on things, um, that is potentially time wasted. I'm certainly not suggesting we should spend less time onboarding people. Like, I don't think we should send them out blind to work with clients <laughs> and do work they're not prepared to do. Um, but I do think we should be looking for ways to make it more efficient um, so that we are allowing humans to do the things that humans do really well, i.e., here's why our culture is the way that it is. Let me talk to you about what this looks like. Um, and then we let machines do the things that machines are really good at doing. Like I'm going to transfer this procedural knowledge to you um, just so that that time is efficiently used. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly like higher risk, right? Like in a, in any service based or, or, or customer facing job like that, uh, like a, a support job, I guess in, in like a, a, a SaaS company or, um, I guess would be comparable to, to, to like, um, uh, not comparable in their actual jobs, but in, um, the, I guess the, the level of quote unquote risk in, in bringing this person on and maybe getting them in front of the customer too quickly, right? Like agencies have to, if it's an account management role, that's, that's a massive, uh, undertaking. They have to know not only the systems and the tech and, but they got to know the clients and, and their goals and all, and all these things. And it's like, but at the same time, yeah, like you said, it's a really costly function when it takes eight weeks, 12 weeks. Um, and then if that person doesn't feel like they're contributing, um, maybe that could, yeah, uh, lead, lead to them not feeling like it's, it's a good fit or anything. But, um, I, I mentioned earlier we had a special guest and I wanted to bring in somebody from the agency space so we can, we can get their perspective as well. So we have Remington Begg, CEO at Impulse Creative. The dude's created, I think, like 110, he just shared with us before, Drift Tutorial. So you might know him. If you don't know him just from being um, you know, uh, around for a very long time, a veteran in the HubSpot agency space, now a Drift partner. So if you don't know him from there, you might know him as the guy on LinkedIn who kind of looks like The Rock and <laughs> teaches you how to use Drift. <laughs> so we have Remington here, CEO at Impulse. He also uh, contributed to the survey, and we wanted to chat with him a bit about his experience in hiring and, and what his thoughts are. So, Remington, good to have you, man. Welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, this is uh, this is near and dear to my heart because it's been a major focus of mine over the past six to eight months, kind of re rethinking everything at our agency. I think any agencies that don't rethink things, uh, to your points earlier, with uh, changing markets, changing changing people is pretty crazy so thanks for having me on can't i'm excited to be a part of the conversation so what's uh what's like the quick uh, the quick history of impulse how long have you guys been around uh how, sure. how did you get involved with hubspot and now drift like what's the quick history there yeah yeah yeah. so um started out as remington graphics way back when and then my wife uh my wife made an honest man out of me and now <laughs> took took control of the agency we renamed it um uh, we renamed it in 2010 to impulse creative and uh yeah we're um i think officially the company itself has been in existence 11 years now to, as of July 1st so pretty exciting stuff and uh and you know as far as what we do we are a hubspot partner um we you know we i have a team of 15 um, and, you know, we've seen ebbs and flows in, in that over the years, but I think we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, and uh, Drift Partner recently, you know, anything that we can do to uh, to help clients get more out of every marketing dollar. That's why we exist. So I, but before we get into hiring stuff, I, I, have, yeah. I have to press you on this. So 110 Drift. Has it even been 110 days since you started doing these? 
<laughs> so almost, yeah. I mean, if you count weekends, almost. it's more than 110 days. Um, I, I do, I do take the the days on the weekend off from the videos, but that might be changing here soon. Um, but the idea, you know, the idea behind behind, and we preach this to our clients all the time, is consistency, right? And so it's uh, it's a huge, it's a huge piece, and the videos are fun. It's a huge, it's a huge platform. There's huge opportunity out there. I'm going to ask an awkward question because we have Kristen here, formerly of Wistia. Are you using Wistia for the videos? Yeah, so I was. I actually had a conversation (laughs) with Jonah yesterday um, over there. So I've been using, yeah, I've been using Soapbox and uh, and Wistia is on our site. We have uh, 63 service page videos on our site as well. Um, The and I'm in the middle of trying to move my workflow over to Ecamm because I don't have to wait for the Soapbox videos to download. It's my only gripe. Only gripe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we we're we're digging soapbox here too we've uh, uh in, in remington also because the guy doesn't sleep he also contributes <laughs> to uh data snacks which is a data box series and so we we've done a few internally and soapbox has, has been our tool of choice um for sure but uh but anyways yeah I'm, so i'm sure wistia wistia loves you for for all the video content that you're creating and and probably uh all the bumps in your account that you need for all the videos that you're storing so i'm sure that's a, a conversation for another day um yeah yeah but talk about i mean you talked about rethinking uh sure. things at the agency and you've been around for 11 years um talk about like uh, maybe the biggest challenge in regards to recruiting and hiring and onboarding in the past? Sure. So um, s- since the beginning of this year, I've been able to step out of the sales, which has been huge for and as an owner to be able to kind of think about how the business operates rather than just hunting for the next deal. Um, so that's been a huge, huge change for me. But um, there is, it's got to be almost Oh, about three years ago, there was, you know, we had some cultural resets, I would like to, I'd call it, where we realized that we, we brought people on too quickly. We threw them to the, you know, to the wolves too quickly. We told them to like, just get in, get going and, and trusted people at their word that they were great and they were fine. Um, and, and that's not that you shouldn't trust people, but you have to be aware, like socially aware. Um, and so, so the one thing that saved us um, as we as we went through, I call it the chrysalis effect, um, was the one thing that saved us is we had everything that took more than three steps to do um, defined an S- as an SOP. And at that point, it was in Google Drive. And then shortly after that, um, I realized that that was the only thing that saved us as an agency. And so that's, we actually signed up with Tetra a few weeks after that. Woo-hoo. But um, yeah, um, so... <laughs> So then as, you know, as we're going, as we're moving forward, it was, it was a great opportunity because we went from, we went from eight, eight employees down to three. Um, and we really had a huge opportunity to like reset everything. Like sometimes as a business owner, you just want to press the button and just like (laughs) blow it up and start over. Um, you know what I mean? And, and so it was, it was one of those things that we got to rethink everything we did and it worked out to be a really great exercise because, you objectively, you take the emotion out of the reasons why people leave. Um, and you guys were mentioning that and then being able to kind of bring it back and, um, and then go, so w- what are the 15 reasons why this person left and just trying to like exhaust them was really huge. And one of the things that we defined was that, that, um, responsibilities weren't defined and that they didn't know they were supposed to be doing things or they weren't doing enough because we culturally made that okay during onboarding. 
Um, what do you so, mean by that? You know, what, what do you mean so, by that? Yeah, so we onboard them like hardcore for a week and a half, and then we're like, be free. <laughs> right? Because we got busy and we need to move on to the next hire. Right. Um, yeah. And and so so it was one of those things that after we we made a couple hires, and I won't even call them bad hires because I think it was 99% our fault and 1% their fault, but we we just set them up for failure from day one. And so um, it's got to be about a year now. We We changed our process around to it was about a 90 day onboarding process. We told them they had to get certain certifications and all of those things. And we, we pivoted that and compressed it into what it's like to actually work at impulse in the middle of your career, not in the beginning. And so it's almost a stress test in the first six weeks, um, intentionally. And so what we've done is we turned the first six weeks into, um, you, you have to have nine HubSpot certifications in six weeks on top of a full workload of building out your an entire campaign for Impulse Creative. And so what I thought was very interesting, the pain points are the culture, the pain point, the pain points are the timeliness. And then the, the pain point, you know, in the report that you guys did was around them knowing clients. Well, it, it sounds to me that agencies need to start embodying those three things in that process right off the bat. So if you expect them to know a client within six weeks, then make that part of their onboarding so that they have to understand you in that same time period. So we kind of embodied that same process and knock on wood, it, um, <laughs> it is, it seems to be working and you know, the onboarding process is stressful, but it's stressful from day one. And what we slowly do in our process is every single day is defined in week one. And then by the time you get to week six, it's just things you have to do the last week. Right. So it, it all the way down to presenting to the entire group about your company that you're marketing for. So it's a it's an exercise and we get them right into deployment. What kind of feedback have you gotten from from anyone um, that's gone through it? Yeah. So so we've got holy shit, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and which is great because if they're if they're going through this like really lackadaisical onboarding process and suddenly we throw them to the wolves now they're not prepared and we don't have the structure to help them unless they speak up where we know that they're going to be feeling things throughout the process uh, and then the other side was uh, we had some really great um, outcomes for that like we had um, we've had a rap video um, from one of our employees come out. And it I was think one I remember of those things that. that like, I remember that. yeah, like I, I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> and then it comes out and you're like, what would have, would this have happened if we, if we told them or set them free early, it wouldn't because they didn't have a big enough picture of what was going on. So, so in Tetra, anyone could search it, what's needed, um, you know, right out of Slack and we've got it broken up with week one. Here's your 15 things you have to do week two. Here's the next, the next things. And it slowly gets wider and wider. And we've built it out in a format. We also use Asana. And so we, we've made it so that it's in a format where we can literally copy and paste the entire, t entire Tetra doc into, um, right into Asana and it builds out the tasks. So then they're already using the project management system. So, you know, getting into the technology and getting everything done has been quite seamless. So shout out to Tetra and Asana. <laughs> I love what you were saying about having people at the end of that six week process present about their client. Um, because I feel like one thing that I've noticed is lacking in so many onboarding processes is 
sort of a like ta-da moment, you know, Mm -hmm. like you are now empowered to make decisions. You are now an expert in this thing and you will continue to be an expert at this organization. Um, And so often like there isn't a nice, almost like moment of closure to demarcate the end of that onboarding process and to sort of say to the person, all right, embrace it, like embrace your expertise because we are all going to now consider you an expert in this thing. Um, And so I think like by creating a moment and an opportunity for that to happen, um, you know, you're you're helping to send a really important signal to the employee. Like you are now this expert and we trust you to have this expertise, but it's also a signal to everybody else within the organization. Like this person's ready to go. He or she now is the expert on this topic. Yeah, 100%. So I wish I could say I did that intentionally, but it's a great byproduct to your point. Um, no, it's been it's been great. And one of the big things, so we're video first. Um, I don't have any conference uh, room phones in the entire agency. People have to be comfortable talking in front of others and seeing them. And so that was a huge, a huge piece that we had was you got to get up in front of the group, the entire group, and you got to talk about what you're going to talk about. And because that's a huge part of the exercise. You could be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't pitch the idea to the client and show confidence, that's going to be a major issue f- when you're working with us. And so, again, every every piece of that is addressed in our arm- onboarding process. And so far, again, knock on wood, so far, so good. Nice. Rem- Remington keeps knocking on his head when he does that, too, for, for those of you yeah. listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting piece of it, too, because I think – onboarding in the agency world is is more complicated right because there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving pieces it's not just learning the internal systems and tech and, and culture of your organization but also of your clients but now there's another additional piece that i've seen more agencies adopting you being one of them at impulse is the remote aspect so yep. i know um i'm not sure what the breakdown is but i know george b thomas uh, is yep. that, is that impulse now? And he's located in, where is he at? Virginia or one of the, uh, no, he's in North Carolina, North Carolina. Charlotte. So, yep. um, and impulse is in Fort Myers. So, uh, does the remote aspect, did that like force you to have to break down maybe some of your existing processes? Does it still work? Um, even though the yeah. person's remote, do you fly them out? Like, how does that all work? Yeah. So we fly them down for a week when they're initially hired. So usually they have to be in office for a week within the first month for the remote staff. We have, um, to answer your question, we have uh, six and a half, and I say a half. My wife comes into the (laughs) office sometimes, but also works from home. Um, So, you know, so we've got six and a half remote staff, um, Pennsylvania, um, North Carolina, and and then um, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Yeah, that's it right now. Pennsylvania, North Carolina. They're like, it's weird. They're in clusters. Like they're all within like an hour of each other, um, which <laughs> is really hilarious. Um, but the the important thing for the SOPs was from an organizational standpoint, if I had to run out of the office or if something happened to me, I have to take what's in my head out as an owner and any manager needs to do that. And so that was where if it takes more than three steps, like put it out there and it happened today. What's the brand colors for XYZ company? And we literally just created a Tetra doc of that. So if someone searches it again, it'll show up right in Slack. We don't have to keep saying the same thing. So it's anything that you have to ask for or could be asked for again. Um, And so that helps the remote team because it's really easy to catch my attention as I'm going through um, the office. If you're working in in office. But what happens if I'm not at my desk at Slack, um, you know, or or hooked up to some kind of messaging technology, then I waste an hour of a person's time waiting for me to get out of a meeting. And so it's been, the SOPs have been huge. 
and it just kind of ties in the hiring process. And we have had, we've had uh, one employee come through on that hiring process um, as a remote staff. And we've had a few come in in-house and the results have been exactly the same, like just blow, blown away um, every single time. It's like one of those things where I, I go, yeah, how can we make this better? How can we do this again? <laughs> Right. And I mean, I mean, you've done, you've done it. I mean, going from 90 days to six weeks, do you feel like the yeah. six weeks is the, is there room for improvement? Is that, does it feel just right? So this is a great question. I think it depends on the position. Um, so our content marketers and our inbound marketers who are fielding and doing a lot of the initial client communication, um, we kept at six weeks intentionally because one from a, um, a payroll cost point of view, like we pay, you know, we pay upfront for payroll or not upfront, but we're paying for the payroll for the training, like full price. You're not coming in like we're paying you half to come in for training. So at three months, that was a significant investment in training someone in. And we had in the, the previous regime, if you will, we would train someone really well to go to another agency. And then, you know, I should send a bill to the, the agency. But it's, <laughs> it's, you know, so it's one of those things that I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, so one, they're leaving. So that's not good. But two, that was really expensive. And so I'm a, I'm a data guy. Um, so get understanding like what those costs were and how that tied in was really important. And then the other side of the six week number for us is I feel like the first six weeks of an client engagement is like that honeymoon phase where they understand our, and are okay with you not knowing who they are. So if we define out that same project and we pretty much put all the deliverables that would be in, in month one or within six weeks as that project for the employee, if they can successfully execute and understand who we are, then we know that it should match for the customers too. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Um, so my last question for you, Remington, is going to be, um, so I, we, we kind of broke this up, uh, th- this whole report into three areas. So recruiting, mm-hmm. hiring, which, you know, there's some obviously slight differences there. Recruiting is just kind of finding a pool of people to, to, to right. evaluate hiring and then onboarding. So I guess yep. really high level, what would be your one piece of advice or one uh, lesson that you've learned over the years in each of those areas? So one for recruiting, sure. one for hiring and one for, for onboarding a new, a new employee. Sure. Be intentional about your brand from a hiring point of view. Like your employee personas should be exactly the same, have the exact same focus that your marketing and sales personas do. Um, You want to be intentional about the type of people you attract. You want your culture to be, you know, to be understood without having to tell people what it is, because that's what a real culture is. And so show that like on social and how you blog and how you talk about yourself on your website. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, from a hiring standpoint, um, we, you know, it, we embody, you know, we've got our core values and all the questions we ask in the, in the hiring process are all around those core values. And the very last thing is your technical, your technical ability or like the expertise in a particular subject. Cause we can train just about anything to anyone who has hunger, but if they're not a good fit and they're not just a good human, then it's not going to work. So, so what we've done is, um, in our, in our hiring process, we use workable, um, for, for it's almost like a a hiring CRM, but the, um, we have a seven step interview process and the first three steps are 100% the, um, the prospect, the prospective hire doing things that we tell them to, and from an automation standpoint before they even get to a conversation. So it whittles down 500 applicants to five. 
and allows for you to have really meaningful conversations with them. And then just following the process. Don't skip the process because you feel good about someone because then that's going to blow up for you like three months later. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that was your three questions. That's a good point. Uh, when you feel good about somebody, it's it's a lot easier. It feels easier to, oh, we could skip this. Yeah. We, we, we can skip through this. Let's just hire friends. Let's hire <laughs> friends, family. Right. You know, right. like put put them through the same. If <laughs> friends or family said, hey, I want to work there, I'd be like, hey, you have to apply. <laughs> did you what did you see the posting <laughs> yeah like like i put the posting there like did you apply and i literally am very very abrupt of that like yep it's great like you know me got to go through the process um step one in our or step two in our process is um to submit a video about why you want the job and we have had my video marketer that i have on staff like full-on production right like it's <laughs> it's so it, it's it, it's one of those things where you get to know the person, but you're not, and this sounds really bad, but you're not emotionally invested in that individual. Because once you see someone, you have a conversation, then you start to be a little bit more compassionate. And in the very beginning of the hiring stage, it's very much a transaction. And you have to let that person, you know, like razzle dazzle you because that's what they're going to do for customers. And so that first step for us is that video interview. That's a one-sided thing. So, so come correct. If, if you're trying to get a job at impulse, yeah. right? <laughs> Just stand out. <laughs> you know, like follow the rules, but just stand out. <laughs> this is great, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad yeah. we, we, we got you on Remington and you, you took, uh, you took a few minutes. Kristen, did you have, did you have anything else for, for Remington? Yeah, I do. So, um, one thing that we hear a lot from people who are trying to get better at onboarding and trying to get better at documentation generally is they're like, I just don't even know where to start. Like, what are the things I should be writing down? Um, and Remington, you talked about, um, identifying those things where you had expertise and you would write these SOPs around them. Um, let's just, let's say that an agency, a very like young agency is, um, you know, hiring their first person or, you know, suddenly ramping up hiring in a way they've never done before. Um, yeah. where would you suggest they start? Like, how do you identify all these like procedures and pieces of knowledge that all that, that, that you're carrying around in your brain? Like, how, how do you know where to start with that? Yeah. So I think a couple different points of view. Um, one is if so, if you're a solopreneur, like hiring your first employee, it's all going to come from you. Right. So it's going to be things. And so it just goes to if there's more than three steps, like I don't have to tell you how to check your email, but do how do I what do I have to do in regards to telling you how to um, submit a soapbox video? Yeah. Right. Um, how to how to engage with a customer, the types of things to say on the first meeting. Um, so if it's if it's more than three steps, then pull that out of your pull that out of your head. Can um, we when, the three step rule and maybe even start using this at Tetra because I love it. Yeah, yeah I love it, that too. it's and it's one of the you know it's just one of those things that it also I think it also creates creates a really great perspective for people to understand what other people do every day. Yeah. Um, because because a lot of times like. So developers are um, really great at making things sound mysterious and super easy, even though they're highly complex. And and so if you have someone that doesn't understand the details, then that's then that's great. But they also don't appreciate them. Right. So 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 SOPs are huge there. It also from a security standpoint for an owner is really great if your employees are defining how they do things so that one, you can check back and make sure that's right. But two, what happens if they're gone tomorrow? And what happens, you don't want the customer to feel anything different. So it doesn't matter how I would do something. What I want to know is how they would do it so the customer doesn't feel the change. Um, and I think that's a big that's a big issue. So to answer your question, like for a larger company, 
Um, you know, we had, when we started defining the SOPs and it was more than just me and my wife, um, what we did is every Friday we had a standing meeting and it was a, it was a prioritization list in, we had it in Trello at the, at that point in time. And it was, what are the things that take more than three steps? And it's just having like little workshop meetings where we dig in and we go, here's, here's the, the laundry list of items. And it's everything from how to blog, how to update a page in WordPress, how to update a page in HubSpot, how to, how to create a Tetra document, like literally that specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it allowed for us to create this laundry list. And then Rachel, my wife and myself could go through, prioritize that and start writing in our notes and then give it to other people, um, to edit and update too. So it's just getting started, I think is the easiest way to say it, but don't just expect like my business is a lot more than just about me. Um, in fact, I feel like I'm catching up to the business very often nowadays. So making sure that the people who are those key players or the people that are doing things and they're doing things successful can define them, but then making it easy to update in the future. You can't put it on a website that no one can edit. It's got to be in Tetra or Google Docs or something where it can be accessible and editable as well. Yeah. I love that idea of getting um, doing that brainstorm with many people and then prioritizing yeah. later so that everybody gets to have a voice in um, yeah. which processes should be documented. That's cool. Thank you. This is great. Uh, Remington, when can we expect tutorial number 111? And one twelve one, tomorrow. One eleven. <laughs> so it's fun. Um, so I am, I am uh, teaming up with George, who's doing the Sprocket Talk now. So George, I tasked with doing daily tutorial videos as well for HubSpot. Um, so he's been doing the same thing. He's got to be up around sixty right now. Wow. Um, and uh, and so I'm teaming up with him. We're gonna. I'm gonna start doing a couple of those as well around conversational marketing. And then, um, and then he's going to be doing those and I'm still going to be keeping my, my cadence of five for drift. That's the goal. So I'm bumping it up a couple more videos. So, um, today one dropped tomorrow, another one will be there and, uh, yeah, just, you can subscribe anytime. No, no sleep. No, no sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, George I, calls it an alternate universe. Tutorial in there too. You know, <laughs> yeah. if the tutorial comes, you know, if you're really, yeah. really inspired. You guys don't need tutorials. It's too easy. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Love it. This was unsolicited too, by the way, like the the potential love and completely unsolicited. Uh, Well, yeah. So, so it was great having, having you on Remington to, to, to give an honest voice uh, to the agency report and and Chris and and, and Tetra is not the last we're, we're probably going to be working together, but this was a lot of fun to to put this report out. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping others find it as, as, as helpful and enlightening as, as I did. And sounds like we all did. So thanks for, thanks for coming on Remington and Kristen. This was a blast. So air high five. Let's, let's do it again. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.